Welcome! You're listening to the Pro Bono Happy Hour. I'm Elise Dorita. Today, Rena Glazer will be sitting down with me for our Pro Bono Mailbag episode. You've got mail! Hi, Rena. Thank you for letting me turn the tables and have your job for today. My pleasure! So today we'll be having a Pro Bono Mailbag episode, which some of our listeners might be familiar with, where we answer listener questions. So when I was going back and listening to the old one, um, I noticed that it's been almost exactly a year since we had our first Pro Bono Mailbag. So we had it on May 13th. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, so it's our uh, pro bono mailbag anniversary. Yeah, because we're taping this on May 4th. 4th. (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to air May 11th, so that's two days before. So we're right on the ball. So let's dive into our first listener question. The question is, I heard your promo for the Henrietta Lacks movie. Did you watch it? What did you think? For those of you who missed it, about a month ago, HBO premiered The Mortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which is is an adaption of a book by the same name by Rebecca Skloot. It tells the story of Skloot's journey with the daughter of Henrietta Lacks to discover information about Lacks' life whose cells, known as HeLa, were at the forefront of several medical breakthroughs. I myself watched this movie last week. Um, What were your thoughts as a movie buff if you did watch it? I did watch it. Um, I had read the book. Did you read the book? No, and I'm a big nonfiction fan, so I went in it kind of thinking like, oh, I don't know how this is going to be, because I'm a book-over-movie person. So I I recommend the book, and indeed we have recommended the book as part of our uh, pro bono reading recommendations. But I think whenever you have the book and then there's a movie, I think it sometimes shades your view of the movie, right, whether you've read the book Mm -hmm. or not read the book. So that's one... um, disclaimer I have. I really like the book, so I will will say that. Two, I missed a little bit of the beginning, so I didn't see it all, and I was a little distracted, so I believe that may shade my opinion. Um, My review is mixed, honestly. I didn't love it. Um, I'll tell you what I did love. I loved Oprah. I thought her performance was amazing. She reminded us that she is an amazing actress. And so I think it's worth a watch for Oprah. And it is a compelling story. And if you haven't read the book, maybe it would motivate you to read the book. What do you think? So I went into it not really knowing anything except for a summary of it. And I thought it'd be more science-based. And I was surprised to learn that it was more like about the life and there are some things in there that I wasn't prepared for and I was thought it was kind of not scary but I don't know intense it's intense the word for it yeah and I just wasn't expecting it and I thought it'd be more about the actual science behind it all which it's still good but I think I need to read the book to get more of the science out of it I think I think that you actually put a finger on what I bothered me about the movie is The book is very dense, and there is a lot going on here, right? Biomedical ethics, socioeconomic and racial history of this country, um, how we treated people with disabilities, you know, poverty and race in America, journalism ethics, right? How do you deal with the reporter that's trying to come into a story that's very personal, and do we trust you? So there's a lot going on here, and I think it was hard in the 90s. 75 minutes of the movie to do justice to all the various storylines. So I'm wondering if I would have preferred a documentary, actually. I, I mean, they could have made this a miniseries, but I'm not sure that would have worked. So I think the problem is there was so much awesome source material that it was hard to condense it into the time of the movie. 
I think that the nub, that was my criticism of it. But I'm curious, and I think maybe listeners are like, why are you talking about this? <laughs> what is the connection to pro bono? Well, um, there is some information at the credits about this foundation that the story kickstarted called the Henrietta Lacks Foundation, which does have a pro bono connection. So Lowenstein Sandler, which is um, a challenging member firm, also former podcast guest, provided pro bono assistance to help us set up the foundation, which provides financial assistance to individuals who contribute to scientific research without personally benefiting their families. So families like Henrietta Lacks' family. And so that's a great connection, right? Jacinia Brown was a great guest yes. and the firm does amazing work. So check that out. And I think often when people, and this happens to me all the time, right? When I'm talking about pro bono, what's the first thing that comes into people's head, right? You know, you're in an elevator and you're talking about what you do and they immediately think court, right? Helping someone who's about to be evicted, helping a survivor of domestic violence, helping someone who's been wrongfully incarcerated, right? And we have this idea that pro bono is just for litigators. And this is a great example of pro bono that helps nonprofits and pro bono that drew on non-litigation skills, but business counseling, right? And getting 501c3 tax exemption status and dealing with all kinds of other regulatory issues that goes with um, starting a nonprofit. So I I think it's a great example of the breadth and depth of pro bono work that's available. Yeah, it's always nice to learn about uh, pro bono opportunities that are a little different than the expected. So I don't know if you noticed in the beginning of the movie, um, Rose Byrne, who plays uh, Sklute, mentioned this study uh, where the men were left untreated with syphilis, which is actually connected to the foundation, which they didn't come full circle to in the movie. Oh, from Tuskegee. Yeah, yeah, so we wrote about this in our blog, but I thought it was interesting that they mentioned it, but never mentioned the fact that the foundation actually awarded grants to the victims and their families for their contribution to science without personal benefit. So yeah, yeah, and I think it goes to that larger theme that people who are in, interested in biomedical ethics, issues of informed consent, um, that this story is very compelling on that level. And I think the syphilis cases are another example of that. So. Yeah, it's, it was just interesting how they touched on it, but didn't really expand. But so now if you watch it, you'll know exactly what they're talking about. Okay. So there's another movie that I want to talk about, and I only just remembered it, and you probably haven't watched it. So last month was the 20th anniversary of this movie called The Castle. And for those of you who have never seen it, it's like this quintessential satire movie that is super famous in Australia. Like everyone can quote it. It came out in 1997. And it's Were just you alive like, in 1997? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was in kindergarten, but I was alive. <laughs> it centers on a family who lives in the country and they get wrapped up in this like imminent domain case. And the government wants to buy their house. They don't want to sell it. And spoiler alert here, turn this off, fast forward if you don't want to know. Um, there is a pro bono element, and uh, this big deal lawyer, he meets the family, meets him at a courthouse, and he's just like, oh, this is a nice guy. And then later when they're fighting his case, he the, the lawyer shows up and like represents them pro bono and saved the day. So I thought that was a really kind of weird roundabout pro bono connection that people might not even realize. 
I didn't realize. I never heard of it. <laughs> and I'm exciting. I'm excited to look it up. Now tell me a little bit about your affinity to Australia. Where did that come from? So I studied abroad there and then I loved it so much that after college I moved back and I like basically considered myself to be a fake Australian person because I like love the food and I still try to make it here and be sad that I can't make the same things. And it's the best place in the whole entire world. <laughs> Well, it's hard to top that, but I think we might as well use it as an opportunity to do a shout out to all of our friends in Australia because the pro bono culture in Australia is amazing. And particularly the law firms do incredible work. The public interest community is amazing. And so many interesting projects, cutting edge developments uh, come out of Australia. It's a very inspiring access to justice community. So it's fun to be able to talk about them. We even have some Australian firms as members too, so shout out to them. And another interesting thing about this movie that I noticed is you had asked me if there are any famous people in this movie and I really didn't think there was and then I thought back and Eric Bana, who is from Melbourne and he's in a lot of American movies, it was his very first movie he had ever been in and now he's super famous and was in Finding Nemo as the Hammerhead Shark if no one knew that. But he's more famous than that, that's just the, my favorite thing. <laughs> Great tip. So it seems like pro bono is showing up all over in pop cultures these days, from the pro bono clinic in the last season of How to Get Away with Murder, to the Henrietta Lacks movie, and the buzz around the Just Mercy movie being made and it's in development. And I, I, I love that because I think when pro bono is on TV, in the movies, as part of pop culture, I think just as human beings, we tend to take that as a validator right? We like to see ourselves. It's why celebrity spokespeople resonate, you know, and you want a celebrity advocate and that that can penetrate and spread the message in a way that less well-known and visible people do. I, I think actually it's kind of ripped from the headlines today. If you saw Jimmy Kimmel's monologue, Oh yeah. Right? About his his son and the amazing circumstances surrounding his birth and his heart surgery. And then in his monologue he pivoted to, to policy and to talk about what it means for all Americans to have access to health care, pre-existing conditions. And so to take the personal and make it political is incredible and look at the audience that someone like Jimmy Kimmel can command. Look at the audience that Shonda Rhimes can command when she is talking about, you know, lawyers doing pro bono. So it, it, it's, it's fun, but I don't mean it to make light of the very serious work that pro bono is, but sometimes it's good not to take ourselves too seriously and it helps spread the message and bring newcomers into the fold. So that's a little bit of the method behind the madness of pro bono and pop culture. It's always great to have awareness. So while we're on pop culture, it's time for our next listener question. They asked, we heard Rena on the Librarian is in podcast and loved her book recommendations. So do you have any other book recommendations? Of course. And thank you for listening. And thank you to Gwen and Frank for having me. That was an amazing experience. And I, I'm glad the listeners enjoyed it. I think we were thinking that we would do regular feature of book recommendations. So I'm not going to give so many. And please, if you have recommendations, send them to us. We would love to hear from you. Just email us at probono at probonoinst.org. But seeing as we were keeping it a little lighter, we were talking about movies and some other things, I wanted to give a lighter recommendation and um, something that I think is just adorable. 
It's called Mommy and Daddy Do It Pro Bono. And it's really a kid's book, as the title says. It was published in 2009 by Aaron Hurst and Kara Hurst. And some of you may be familiar with the Aaron Hurst, the name Aaron Hurst. He was the founder of the Taproot Foundation, which has spread the mission and cause of pro bono beyond lawyers to a lot of other professions. And now he is the head of an organization called Imperative, which um, works with something called purpose-driven companies. So he's still very much in the, in the do-gooder field. But the book catalogs various professions like consultants, writers, accountants, engineers, architects, doctors, marketing professionals, HR managers, and of course lawyers, and what they do in their day job, and then what they can do pro bono. Mommy and Daddy do it pro bono. It's adorable with illustrations. So if you're looking for maybe a kid gift, or a gift to take to a baby shower of your favorite, you know, pro bono junkie. This is just a golden and adorable idea. I really recommend it. Now, I will say, sort of in full disclosure, there has been a little bit of pushback that in certain quarters they think that maybe this only represents a certain socioeconomic parenthood of sort of entitled and professional people who have this luxury. And I don't really see that as the message. I think the message is no matter where we are, our status, our station, we're all able to do something. And taking inspiration from that is important. But you know, there has been a little bit of critique, so I'll throw that out there. Um, anyway, you can find it where you get books. It's called, again, Mommy and Daddy Do It Pro Bono. And there is a really cute animated promo for it. So maybe we will link to the um, cartoon um, on Facebook or we'll tweet it and those will be available. But it's such a cute trailer teaser for the book. So that's my book recommendation for today. I actually watched that video yesterday and it was really cute and I can back you up on that. So while we're on the topic of reading materials, uh, our next listener question is, there are so many helpful titles on your resource clearinghouse, what's your favorite? And for those of you who do not know, the Law Firm Pro Bono Project Resource Clearinghouse is where you can access all of PBI's publications, best practice practices, model policies, and other materials on Law Firm Pro Bono. So I know what my favorite is, and I'm curious to know what yours is. Okay, so first I'll say thank you to Elise because you do an amazing job maintaining the clearinghouse really super amazing. Thank you. Um, this was really hard for me. Like, how do you pick one? Right, and this comes up all the time on our program where I ask people to talk about meaningful pro bono cases and they're like, oh my gosh, that's like deciding which child I love more. So this is like, oh, which pup do I love more? And they're all so different. Okay, so my pick is sort of based on two criteria, right? Two prongs as to why I picked it. One was effort. This publication took years, <laughs> years, years. And many, many, many of our student interns, which is a great point because I want to do a shout out to our crack research team, particularly our current research team, two seniors at Georgetown who are both graduating soon. So Martin Brownridge and Patrick McDonald, thank you for all your help this year. You've been amazing. And of course, to Elise, head of our research team. Anyway, so I, I picked this pub because Honestly, there was so much sweat equity in it that I just feel very attached to it. 
And two, I think it's been incredibly impactful. I think it's really made a difference in the way law firm pro bono programs have done their planning and have thought about things. And there are a lot of interesting pieces to it. So I pick our succession planning toolkit. So no one likes to think about retiring or moving on, whether it's a planned job change or honestly, an unplanned one because you get sick or you get hit by a bus or something horrible happens. But there are a lot of reasons why pro bono leaders leave or are no longer able to do their jobs. And firms need to think about that situation in advance, right? And think about what is their plan? Either when someone announces, I'm gonna be stepping down in a year or boom. We have to do it right away. Otherwise, you're left very vulnerable. So I think there was a lot of value add to this piece. And so that is my selection. Did that surprise you? Yeah, that's not, I don't know what I was thinking, but I wasn't thinking that. So mine, I don't think it's that surprising if you know me, but maybe you will be surprised. So mine is actually the Autism Speaks uh, publication that we have because my, so I had two majors in college. I was psychology and legal studies, so it kind of like marries my life, my like two lives together. So I don't know, I think it's, it's really interesting, especially because that is a disorder that a lot of people have, and it's such a wide spectrum, and I don't think there's just so many ways to deal with it, because there are so many different levels of it, and the fact that there's a whole guide about pro bono help, I don't know, that's awesome to me. So... I was also a psych major. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. And that was also one of the pubs that I was considering talking about. And I think it's because the backstory to me is so meaningful. Do you know how we created that? Have we no. told you about that? Okay, so I'll, I'll take a moment to tell you. Um, a couple summers ago, we had one of our summer interns, he was an undergrad, and doing some projects and kind of feeling his way. And... He had some time to take on something new, and I, I had a talk with him about what he might like to work on. I, I, I like people to like their projects, right? And we all come with interests and things like that, and we talked about various options. And then he said, you know, there is an issue that I feel very passionately about because it affects my family. I have a brother who is... Um, deeply on the spectrum and taking care of him and meeting his special needs has had a profound effect on me um, and my entire family. And maybe there's some there there. And I was like, there is absolutely some there there. And it underscores how, you know, I talk a lot about how pro bono is where passion meets purpose. And that's exactly what this project was. And he worked incredibly hard for the rest of the summer on this. He didn't quite finish to the kind of benchmark that he wanted to. And we don't sort of give people homework. Our commitment to them does not continue once they leave their internship. But he was just like, no, you know, I, I go to Stanford and we don't go back, you know, for a long time, even though I'm going home to California and I could just putter around or I could work on this. And he was just committed and he worked on it until he went to school and he finished it. And it was just amazing. So that's kind of the how it came to be a real passion project. The other reason I love it is the impact that it's had on the world. 
I have heard from several pro bono leaders of firms stories about how they had what, you know, sort of conveniently would be called pro bono zeros, right? People who do not do pro bono. And in these instances, they weren't people, they were all partners who were hostile or, you know, felt critical of pro bono. They, they didn't have bad feelings towards pro bono. They were just super busy people having really demanding practices, raising families, feeling just busy in all aspects of their life and just couldn't see how they could possibly take on one more thing, right? You're sort of running, 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 running. I just, I can't do one more thing. Then the pro bono leader had gotten our publication and in talks with these people had kind of mentioned that there are pro bono opportunities for people and families affected by autism. And you could see the light bulb going on because this is something they care about, right? To their, their family, their neighbor, their friends. And these people have become pro bono heroes. So they have gone from pro bono zeros to being pro bono heroes because we connected the dots, right? And we're able to say, here's an issue that people feel passionately about and here are examples about how you can get involved and the related pro bono opportunities. So I, I, that pub uh, that, and you didn't even know, really kind of hits on all cylinders. That was a great origin story. I didn't even know about it. So um, our next, I guess, my question, or what, you, what do you think is our most downloaded publication? So I have no idea. I know what I send out the most, and what I send out isn't really available in the clearinghouse. It's bundles of materials that I prepare for people. And that tends to be about strategic planning. When firms want to engage in strategic planning, do we have any models? Do we have any background? And I sort of pick and choose based on what I think this firm would need, so it's a little less off the shelf. So I actually have no idea. I mean, I have a little bit of idea, but I have no idea. So what is it? So what I get asked for the most is actually the law firm self-assessment guide. Interesting. Yeah, all that the time. That is interesting. Yeah. I think it says a lot about... I know people in general, the people that ask for it, is that like they're all about probably self-awareness and improvement. And I think that's really interesting that people are constantly reflecting on themselves and how they're doing and how they can improve. And then that's the thing that they want. That is so interesting because that's often part of the bundle I send people for strategic planning, right? Like if you're going to plan and set goals, you kind of need to know where you are right now and do a little assessment. It's also one of our oldest publications so old that we have really nice print hard copies, right? That were yep. like professionally, you know, designed and they're among our nicest hard copies, but now we're sending everything electronically. So that's yeah, cool too. I think it's yep. a, a nice sentiment like that people want that and yep. that they are always looking at how they're doing. So um, I want to say thank you for joining me for our pro bono mailbag today. Um, there will be more to come. So um, send us your questions and we will have another one soon. We had so many listener questions they couldn't fit in just one episode. Tune in next week for part two of our mailbag episode where we discuss PBI's annual conference and more. New and archive episodes of the podcast can be found on iTunes and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. 
please take a moment to leave an iTunes review. It is quick and easy to do. We appreciate the feedback and would help make it easier for other listeners to find the show, expand the conversation about pro bono and access to justice. To learn more about PBI, go to probonoinst.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, feedbacks, and questions to probono at probonoinst.org.